0: each one and I'd like to open up I was blessed this week um, reading in the book of Isaiah in chapter 12 it says then you will say on that day I will give thanks to you O Lord for although you were angry with me your anger is turned away and you comfort me behold God is my salvation I will trust and not be afraid for the Lord God is my strength and song and he has become my salvation therefore you will joyously draw water from the springs of salvation and in that day you will say give thanks to the Lord call on his name make known his deeds among the peoples make them remember that his name is exalted praise the Lord in song for he has done excellent things let this be known throughout the earth cry aloud and shout for joy O inhabitant of Zion for great in your midst is the Holy One of Israel um, just love that that passage let's all stand up for a word of prayer heavenly father we come to you this morning with thankful hearts lord thank you for another day thank you that your mercies are new and that um, lord you have enabled us to gather in this place and to worship you lord to lift our hearts in song Uh, god i just thank you for all that you've done in our midst thank you for your word that we have lord and Lord, just the, the gifts that you've given us to sing, Lord, you said in your word to make a joyful noise. Lord, thank you that you never let go. Lord, that you always, you keep pursuing us, Lord, and um, Lord Jesus, thank you for your Holy Spirit. Uh, here in our midst, I pray that your name would be glorified, that we would see Jesus lifted high. Lord, and God, help us just to draw near to you and to um, place our complete attention on you and hear what it is you have for us today, Lord Jesus. We give you thanks for each one that's here. God, pray that you would, uh, if anyone's still on their way, that you'd keep them safe, Lord. And God, we just want to praise you together this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Let's open up with the song, You Never Let Go. Thankful for that. This morning, you can be seated. I'd like to open it up this morning. If anyone has a testimony or something to share, if the Lord's doing in your life, a prayer request, just feel free. It's always open for that. Just uh, open up your heart and share. You know, Phil, I've um, thought a lot about that verse and just how um, they probably, like back then, wouldn't have had as many, like, white, bleached white um, clothing and stuff that we're, and so the, the contrast of snow to typically, like, more natural fabrics and that kind of thing, like, I imagine it's just startling. Even sheep, like, you think sheep's wool is white, but it's oftentimes grayish or dirty or whatever, but...
1: Yeah, I think that's
0: really cool. I've been thinking this past week about um, how we as humans have, usually there's something that we obsess over, you know. There's something that we're crazy about. Um, Whether it's sports or uh, it could be crocheting. It could be anything, you know, that... and. And that's good in a way, but I ask myself the question, is my heart focused on Jesus Christ? Is he my obsession? Um, Knowing him, knowing him is the greatest thing uh, that we will ever experience. And it made me think of this song as the deer. Think Jesus paid it all. Father, I come to you this morning, Lord. Thank you that you care. Lord, I just lift up anyone in here this morning who is in a very difficult time in life or struggling or um, dealing with pain or grief. Lord, God, I just lift them up to you and ask that you would wrap your loving arms around them, Lord. And and God, as we sing this next song, Lord, that, um, Lord, you would just send the comforter of the Holy Spirit, Lord, to um, bring comfort and peace, Lord Jesus. Thank you for... Lord your care in our lives in Jesus name does Jesus Amen. Let's all stand up and sing one more song together. Better is one day in the house of the Lord than a thousand elsewhere. Amen? Right. Be seated, and uh, if the kids come up. I'm not a pro at uh, leading kids' songs, but we'll do a couple this morning. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, my cord doesn't reach, so I don't think we need it, anyways. I'm just gonna come over here like this. We got to be able to hear them sing, right? Don't need to hear my guitar. All right. All right. Well, um, Do you know the song If You're Happy And You Know It? Yeah. yeah? All right. If you're happy and you know it, clap your hands. If you're happy and you know it, clap your hands. If you're happy and you know it, then your life will surely show it. If you're happy and you know it, clap your hands. If you're happy and you know it, stomp your feet. If you're happy and you know it, stomp your feet. If you're happy and you know it, then your life will surely show it. If you're happy and you know it, stomp your feet. If you're happy and you know it, say amen. If you're happy and you know it, say amen. If you're happy and you know it, then your life will surely show it. If you're happy and you know it, say amen. If you're happy and you know it, do all three. Amen. If you're happy and you know it, do all three. Amen. If you're happy and you know it, then your life will surely show it. If you're happy and you know it, do all three. Amen. Good job. All right, do you have a song, Sherry? No? Cast your burdens. Do you want to do cast your burdens? Okay. All right. Well, everybody gets to help with this one. So why don't you all stand up and let's all join them, shall we? Okay. Are you ready? Here we go. Cast your burdens onto Jesus for he cares for you. Cast your burdens onto Jesus for he cares for you. Higher, higher, lift up Jesus, higher, higher. 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 Lower, 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 Satan, lower, lower. Lower, 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 Satan, lower, lower. Lower, 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 Satan, lower, lower. Cast your burdens onto Jesus, for he cares for you. Cast your burdens onto Jesus, for he cares for you. Higher, higher. Lift up, Jesus. Higher, higher. Higher, higher. Lift up, Jesus. Higher, higher. Higher, higher. Lift up, Jesus. Higher, higher. Higher, higher. Lift, up Jesus. higher, higher. higher, higher. Lift up Jesus higher higher lower 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 Satan lower 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 higher higher lift up Jesus higher 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 lift up Jesus higher 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 lift up Jesus higher higher higher, higher, lift up Jesus higher, higher Woo! Good job. Okay, you can be seated. You have one more? Jesus.
1: <laughs> it's both your songs.
0: It's all of our songs, right?
1: <laughs>
0: Alright, let's do Jesus Loves Me. Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. The Bible tells me so. Wrapped up, tied up. You want to do wrapped up, tied up? Can we do wrapped up, tied up, everyone? Yeah, all right. Wrapped up, tied up. Tangled up in Jesus, wrapped up, tied up, tangled up in Jesus, wrapped up, tied up, tangled up in Jesus, wrapped up, tied up, tangled up, wrapped up, tied up, tangled up, wrapped up, tied up, tangled up up, up, in God. I'm inside, outside, side to side in Jesus. I'm inside, outside, Side to side in Jesus, I'm inside, outside, side to side in Jesus. I'm inside, outside, side to side, inside, outside, side to side, inside, outside, side to side in God. I'm upright, downright, living right in Jesus. I'm upright, downright, living right in Jesus. I'm upright, downright. Living right in Jesus, I'm upright, downright, living right, upright, downright, living right, upright, downright, living right in God. I'm wrapped up, tied up, tangled up in Jesus, I'm inside, outside, side to side in Jesus, I'm upright, downright, living right in Jesus, I'm wrapped up, tied up, tangled up. Inside, outside, side to side. Up, right, down, right, living right in God. Think we can do it fast? Yeah. I don't know if I can sing it fast. All of a sudden, I'm like stumbling for words. I've heard it a thousand times, but don't know it. (laughs) Okay. That's good. Good job, kids. You can go take your seats. I'll turn the time over.
2: Amen. Thank you, Jason. Thank you for uh, putting up with my son's guitar playing up there. Hopefully it wasn't too distracting for you. (laughs) It means a lot to him for some reason. Well, welcome. Good to have you all here on a very cold, does that even describe it? Morning. (laughs) Thank you all for braving the weather and uh, coming out to worship the Lord here this morning. Michael, what day is it today? Sunday? What else is it? What holiday is it? 14th? What What's the 14th? Valentine's Day. Oh, are we supposed to sing happy birthday to yeah. Abe too? <laughs> He's sinking through the floor, so maybe we'll let him go. Um, what's Valentine's Day? What do you know about that? To celebrate our love for each other? Well, do, you know, do you know how it started? Do you know how Valentine's Day started? Your dad didn't tell you that story? It's pretty interesting. Did you know that, uh, Valentine's Day has its origins as a Christian holiday? You didn't know that? Addie didn't even know that did you know that valentine's day was started or named after a christian martyr a man that was killed for his faith it's pretty amazing isn't it we don't really think about that it's it's kind of changed a lot uh, throughout the years but that that was the origin of, of valentine's day back and this was pretty long ago it was it was only about Old 200, 250 years after the time of Jesus, there was a uh, one of the Christian church leaders in Rome. One of his uh, the things that he tried to do in his ministry was minister to those that were being persecuted and, and love them and, and help them out. And his his name was Valentine, and that's where you get Valentine's Day. And he was eventually uh, killed and martyred for his faith as well and I'm not sure how it all evolved into our Valentine's Day of today, there are different uh, theories of that but that's, that's where it started about this, this man who really showed true love to the people around him and to those that were being persecuted so think about that today kids, married couples anybody else even those of you that uh, would like to be married, there's a couple of you here. Um, seriously, though, think about that. As your, uh, uh, it, it's good for people pursuing marriage, and those of us that are ma- are married. What what is true love? What is our true commitment in love? Is it? Is it at that level of one who was willing to risk his life to help others who were in trouble? Does our love go that deep for whether it's our spouse or girlfriend or those around us? Is our love that deep? It's a good thing to think about not only today, but uh, throughout... uh, Throughout our lives, is is our love that strong? And I'm thankful that I I grew up. I I had a very good example in my dad of what true love was, and how he loved my mom. <clears throat> and uh, you heard Phil pray. My uh, my mom's here. My father is obviously not, he's in heaven in the presence of God, and after having left us several months ago, but after having selflessly loved my mom for 50 years, a little over 50 years of marriage, and uh, proven that selfless love in his life and passed that example on, on to me and others, and I'm, I'm thankful for that today of, of all days to... To have had that uh, godly example of, of love in, in our lives on, on a day like today when, when we celebrate love. Most of the world doesn't understand the true meaning of love and the celebration of it. But I believe that we do. And, and I would encourage each one of us to, to uh, celebrate that true love of God in our hearts and lives announcements. Uh, As usual we have our uh, meal after the service and hopefully it's a nice hot meal because I'm still cold. There is plenty of coffee and tea and even some donuts back there as well so uh, if you are cold or otherwise please help yourself and and please do stay to our meal afterwards and uh, we'll enjoy that time of fellowship as well. This Wednesday evening the 17th. We have our monthly prayer and Bible study that will be here at the church. You are all welcome. Men, women, children, families, couples, anybody, neighbors, friends, invite everybody. It's open to uh, the public and anyone that wants to come for our monthly prayer and Bible study here 6.30 Wednesday evening. Um, also Continue to be in prayer for those who are traveling, who are not here. Hopefully, those that are in Florida are praying for us that uh, we're surviving the cold while they're enjoying the sun and the beach. So, um, but uh, we're, we'll try to be happy for them, but we'll be glad to have them back. Uh, I think their carries and Johns are gone for several weeks yet. Not totally sure of their schedule, but do be in prayer for them. I think that's pretty much the announcement. So we'll uh, turn it over to Phil here for the sermon. And before we do that, let's uh, bow our heads for prayer. Thank you, Father, for this day that you have blessed us with. I thank you that uh, even on this cold, snowy day, that the warmth of your love and your light and your life can still be alive and well in our hearts today. And I pray that that would be the reality for each one of us here today, that we would celebrate the love that you have given to us, your love for us, and in turn the love that we can have for each other. I pray that you would bless our time of fellowship here this morning as we look into the word. I pray that you would, open your word to us, and that we would be well-fed, and that we would be changed by your word here this morning. I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. And over to Phil.
3: Welcome back, Abe and Addie. Good to have you guys back with us. Also, let's give a warm welcome, a hand of welcome to Barb, Brian's wife. She's here with us for the first time. Welcome. We're blessed to have you guys here and uh, hope to get to know you better and fellowship together in Christ. This morning, you may turn your Bibles with me to the Gospel of John. We've been walking through this Gospel With Jesus, and I don't know how it has been for you as a Christian, but I want to encourage each of us this morning, again, to look at Jesus like Hebrews 12 tells us to. Hebrews 12 tells us, looking unto Jesus, the author, the beginning, and the finisher of our faith. Not only the beginning, all of us who are born again had a beginning. Just like a baby who is born into your family, it's a beginning of a new life, but there's also a life to finish. And so I want to encourage you this morning to not only experience Jesus as a beginning, as a baby, but to live that life. Growing up in God's family, just like a baby grows up in a family, matures, begins to walk, begins to eat, begins to talk, begins to enjoy the fellowship of the family, then begins to contribute to the family and matures in that family. So we as God's children are to experience Jesus. For many years in my Christian life, I read the Gospels in a wrong way. It was only halfway completed in my life. And so I experienced Jesus in an incomplete way. He sanctified me in an incomplete way. And I'll share with you how. I loved the epistles, like Ephesians chapter 5. I don't know if you've had this experience or not. But you can turn your Bibles with me to Ephesians chapter 5. And notice how it starts. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. And walk in love. Just as Christ also loved you. Continuing on down to verse 6. Let no one deceive you. Um, verse 11 and do not participate in the unfruitful deeds of darkness verse 15 therefore be careful how you walk verse 17 so then do not be foolish but understand what the will of the Lord is verse 22 wives be subject to your own husbands as to the Lord Verse 25, husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church. Chapter 6, verse 1, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. You understand where I'm going? This is instructive teaching. It's a father looking at his sons and saying, Son, do this. A clear, instructive teaching. And all of us need that kind of teaching. But there is a greater life experience, a greater relationship with Jesus than that. It's a matured, loving relationship. And the way that the Lord explains it to us is that we as children in God's family need instructive teaching. Clear, do this. Husbands, love your wives like this. Wives, submit to your husbands and respect them like this. Children, obey your parents like this. But the greater relationship is a married love. many of you husbands look at your wife and say honey love me like this today honey I want you to do this and this is how I want you to do it how many of you wives look at your husbands and say honey today I need you to do this and we give him clear instructions of his honey-do list we speak differently to each other in married love than we do instructive love to our children. That difference, dear brother, sister, dear child of God, is significant. It is greatly impactful in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Do not think there isn't a difference. There's a big difference. And so if you are still like a child only receiving instructive love from your Father in heaven, the Lord Jesus is inviting you today to marry Him, to enter into a married love relationship where much of the expectation doesn't even need to be spoken. It's communicated on a higher level. It's communicated in a way where it's called matured love. It's Much of it is unspoken. Now, it is communicated as well. But it is led by sacrifice. It's a love which lays down its life for each other. I don't expect my children to love me like that. But my wife and I love like that every day. We're talking about love today. Dear brother, sister, if you've read the gospel or God's word and you're looking for instructive love, you're doing well. But... Jesus is inviting us into a greater love relationship than that. All the way back through the prophets. The Lord spoke to Israel, inviting them into this love. In Hosea chapter 2, the Lord says to Israel, Israel was straying away from this love. And they were being drawn into other relationships. That distracted this kind of loving relationship. And the Lord says to them in Hosea chapter 2, verse 14, Therefore, behold, I will allure her. Bring her into the wilderness and speak kindly to her. And if you want a more graphic description of God, It's a relationship that Jesus wants with you. Go to the Song of Solomon and read chapter 4 and all the others where it speaks of a bridegroom coming to his bride and the bride responding to her bridegroom. And if you find yourself not being able to relate to Jesus that way, If you find the love story of Solomon in the song of Solomon a bit graphic and weird and just, wow, that was Solomon and all his loves. Dear child of God, I want to invite you to walk through the gospel of John in that relationship where Jesus isn't only a beautiful story, and you're not just looking for instructive, do this, but you're pursuing a relationship with your bridegroom in heaven through his life, through his life, through the example of his love, through his teaching. But more than that, that's only halfway the more matured, complete relationship is when we see as the gospel of John begins in, verse, in chapter 1. Where he says, the word was made flesh and he dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, that as of the only begotten son of God. And then something happens to me when I see Jesus and experience him this way. Look what happens in chapter 1. John says, verse 15. John bore witness of him and cried out, saying, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me has a higher rank than I, for he existed before me. For of his fullness we've all looked at. Is that where you are today? You've seen his fullness Oh, my dear child of God, there is something for you to experience with Jesus more than just looking at Him. Look what He says. For of His fullness we have all received. Jesus said in John 14, speaking of the relationship He wants with those who are His disciples, He said, If you keep My commandments... You love me. And if you love me this way, I will do something. I'm not just going to stand up here and talk to you. I'm going to come. And I'm going to move in with you. And I'm going to kneel down and promise my life to you. And I will never leave you. I'll be your husband. And I want to move in with you, by the way, and live with you forever. I want to have a family with you. I'm going to do life with you. That's what Jesus said in John 14. He said, not only will I do that, but oh, guess what? I'm going to take you into my family. And the Jews understood this very well. Because in their culture, when a man married a woman, he went and got her. And he brought her over to his family. And she became his, a part of his tribe. The whole clan accepted her and received her into the beloved of the family. And that's what Jesus said will happen. My father also will come and he will love you and we'll have fellowship together. Have you experienced that with Jesus today? When you woke up, did you wake up with him in the beloved, in his house Where this body is his dwelling place. Paul says to the Corinthians, Don't you know? You are the temple of the living God. The Holy Spirit dwells within you, He dwells within us. If you're missing that as you read the gospel of Jesus Christ, my dear, Brother, sister, Jesus today is inviting you into that relationship in a new and living way, Hebrews 10 says. In this new and living way where you don't need to go to the temple anymore and bring your sacrifice to the altar and have a priest who does it for you and draws near to God for you and goes into the most holy place and makes... Intercession for you. You have your intercessor living in your home where you dwell, your body. And when you begin, when we begin to walk through the gospel with Jesus this way, the same thing that happened to those two men walking on that road to Emmaus in Luke chapter 21 happens to us. They were walking along and there were all kinds of weird and strange things happening around them. They didn't understand what was going on. This Jesus they thought was the Messiah somehow was crucified and was buried. And, and some said he had risen from the dead. And they were walking and talking about all these things. And something happens to them. you remember what happened? A man joined them. They must have come to come to a Y in the road. And all of a sudden, Jesus joined them. And he began to explain to them the scriptures. And as they walked and talked, and Jesus began to talk, he opened up their eyes and their hearts to understand the scriptures and what they were experiencing in the prophecy of the scriptures. They were a part of prophecy. They were experiencing God's word come true in their life and they didn't know it until jesus showed up and explained it to them walked with them and then all of a sudden jesus revealed himself it's me and all they reflected back on that and they said something happened to us did not our hearts burn within us while he spoke as we walked on the way And that's still what Jesus does for you and me. When we come to his word, not only to receive instructive word, but to experience his very life, his love, the love of a bridegroom, where he moves in and this becomes a part of my story with Jesus. This is not just the story of John and Jesus and All of these other people mentioned I'm a part of this story I am also experiencing prophecy fulfilled today in my life what God has promised is happening to me today when he says in Hebrews chapter 8 and in those days I will be different to them the old covenant wasn't good enough so I brought in a better covenant, a better promise. you know what the better promise is? Instead of just giving us instructive word through teachers, God promises, I will write my law on their mind and on their heart. And I will be a father to every one of them, from the least to the greatest of them. You can be an immature little child And know God that way. You can't today be experiencing the fulfillment of that covenant promise. If that doesn't make your Bible come alive to you and make it a part of your life, then you're dead. You're dead in your sins and your trespasses, and you need to become born of the Spirit of the living God. Born again. John chapter 6. We looked at last Sunday. Those who eat my flesh. He, verse 56, who eats my flesh and drinks my blood, abides in me and I in him. And Jesus continues to speak These words, it is the Spirit, verse 63, who gives life, the flesh profits nothing. The words that I have spoken to you are Spirit and they are to be experienced. Life. They're to be lived. Ah, but then Jesus recognizes something. Verse 64. But there are some of you who don't believe this. And in the world today, We live among disciples of Jesus where some of them are saying, I don't believe it. I don't believe it. And when you see that, it can distract you also and discourage you and say, my dad and mom say, they don't believe it. I haven't seen them live this way. My brother tells me, I don't believe it. You're full of it. You're too too crazy about this. You're too radical. Live a little. Even your pastor in your church might tell you that. Oh, you're becoming a little radical in your love for Jesus. Use some common sense. Be normal. This is happening. And Jesus recognized it was happening to him right then and there. Still happens to us. There are some of you who do not believe and then Jesus says, "For this, for sixty-five reason, I have said to you that no one can come to me unless it has been granted him from the Father. Dear brother, sister, don't think that we can come on our own, on our own choosing. We need granting from our Father in heaven. And anything you and I get to experience in Jesus Christ in this relationship comes as a granting, a grace." from the Father in heaven. And when I sense that, when I know this relationship I'm enjoying with Jesus has been granted to me, it is a gift, lest any man should boast, you can't earn it, Paul says. It is a free gift from God that will make you treasure it when you understand it's a gift. You can't earn it. You don't deserve it. It's just been granted. And that will also sober us to not take it for granted, but to experience it, to treasure this relationship as a gift. That's married love. I can't earn her love. I could serve her, I could give her everything she wishes. I could go and earn a million dollars and bring it back and put it into the bank to her. I could buy her a new car, a new house. I could give her everything that this world has to offer to try to get her to love me like this. Do you know, I've talked to married couples like that. They had, she had everything she could wish for, except for one thing his affection. His fondness. Affection, Lucas, means... How do you describe affection? His attention. His love. That care. When she talked, she just wanted him to stop and listen. And care. And I heard that woman say to her husband and to me, He doesn't love me. And he looked at her and said... Are you kidding me? And he looked at me and said, that's what she always says. But I give her everything she wants. What do you mean I don't love her? She's impossible. And then we talked about what was lacking. What was lacking? Time. Listening ear. Caring heart. Doing life together was missing. He was busy out there making money, giving her all the gifts, but he couldn't earn love. Love is a return to love. God is love, and the only way you and I get to experience his love is if we understand it's a return to love. We love him because he first loved us. You can't earn it. By giving God the things you can earn. You can't experience it that way. It's a free gift. It's not earned. And that's what Jesus was talking about. It's been granted from the Father. However, many couldn't accept this. Because it kind of renders you, what? I mean, I can't do anything about this? I, I can't. I can't go and be worth my salt, as it were. They couldn't accept it, and so they leave Jesus. But Jesus continues on in John chapter 7. And after these things, Jesus was walking in Galilee, or he was unwilling to walk in Judea, because the Jews were seeking to kill him. Now, the feast of the Jews, the feast of Booths, was at hand. Someone know what the feast of Booths was a celebration of? Anyone? Steve? Yes, it was a harvest feast. What were they to do at the Feast of Booths? Yes. So how did they celebrate it? Anyone know? You need to study your Bibles. Or maybe you're just shy. What they did is, for seven days, all of Israel was to gather to Jerusalem. And they were to come and make themselves little tents and live in that tent as a family, leave their houses, and live in the tent for seven days to celebrate God's deliverance from Egypt and the journey through the wilderness, living in tents. And the Lord didn't want them to forget that. He wanted them to remember it, and so once a year, He told them, you need to actually live this out. Leave your comfortable house and come set up your little tent as your family and talk about with each other about how I delivered Israel from Egypt and cared for them, fed them manna and meat. And, you know, their shoes never wore out. Their clothing never wore out. Amazingly, how intricate God's care was for them. And the Lord wanted them to remember that. So this was that feast in Jerusalem. It was also a feast at the harvest time, and it was a feast of prayer, a supplication that God would come and bring the rains. The rainy season was about to begin. And it was a it was an act of faith asking the Lord to bring the rains for the seed that they had planted so that they would have a good harvest. So it connected the two. God's delivering, deliverance in their life, but God's provision in their life as well. Deliverance, provision. Are you experiencing God that way? Or is he just in your past a great deliverer? Do you trust him today to provide for you? everything you need. Ephesians 1 tells us, every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places has been given to us through the Holy Spirit. Every spiritual blessing is provided for you and I. And to experience the Lord as a great deliverer, but not just to live in the past, to experience Him today and trust Him for tomorrow As a providing father, his provision is very important. And the Lord knew it. And so he told Israel, you need to celebrate this at least once a year. His brothers, Jesus' brothers, verse 3, therefore said to him, depart from here and go into Judea that your disciples also may behold your works, which you are doing. For no one does anything in secret when he himself seeks to be known publicly. If you do these things, show yourself to the world. Or not even his brothers were believing in him. Have you experienced that with Jesus? Your close friend, maybe even your brothers, your physical brothers and sisters. Don't believe how you're experiencing Jesus. And they look at you and say, oh, well, if you really are a disciple of Jesus, Go, do this. Show yourself to the world. They put expectations upon you of how, what this is supposed to look like. But Jesus, as our perfect example, was not controlled by His earthly family. He only listened to one voice, His heavenly Father. Like He told us earlier in John chapter 5, I only do the will of my Father. I came to do His will. So he had his ears set on there. And so he responds, Jesus therefore said to him, My time is not yet at hand, but your time is opportune, always opportune. The world cannot hate you, but it hates me because I testify of it that its deeds are evil. Go up to the feast yourselves. I do not go up to this feast because my time has not yet fully come. So the disciples, so his brothers said, Okay, we're going. And Jesus, having said these things, to them he stayed in Galilee. But when his brothers had gone up to the feast, and he himself also went out, not publicly, but as it were, in secret. That's a bit strange, isn't it? Jesus had just got done telling his brothers, no, you go, I'm staying. And he sneaks in. Has Jesus ever done this to you? Do you know this, Jesus? Or is this Jesus strange to you? Has he ever done this kind of thing with you? Made a fool of you, as it were. Told you to tell someone, no, I'm not going. And then, a day later, led you to go after all. And you're thinking, wait, Jesus, this makes me look like a complete fool. What are they going to say now to me? What, what, you lied to us? What, you change your mind? You're unstable? Don't you even know what you're doing? Jesus does this to you and me. This is his way with us. And you and I must be humble like he was. His father led him this way to relate to his brothers like this. Jesus didn't lie. Jesus lived momentarily by listening to his father. He had not heard his father say go so he said I'm staying and Jesus gave his own perspective on that you know I know they want to kill me the world doesn't hate you but I, I testify of their deeds and perhaps the next day his father said go son and Jesus goes he goes expect Jesus to do this with you he's done it many times with me he does it like this, to humble us many times. And also to test those around us in that relationship, in our relationship with Christ. When his brothers had gone up to the feast, then he himself also went up, not publicly, but as it were, in secret. The Jews, therefore, were seeking him at the feast and were saying, where is he? And there was much grumbling among among the multitudes concerning him. Now, they weren't supposed to be there grumbling about Jesus. They were supposed to be there celebrating God's deliverance. And their deliverer was among them. And they didn't know it. The first promise that God gave concerning Jesus, his son, in Matthew, I'll show you this. The first promise he brought to earth. In Matthew chapter 1, the angel was speaking to Joseph. Verse 20, But when he had considered this, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for that which has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit, and she will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus For it is he who will save, or the word is deliver, his people from their sins. The first promise about Jesus, given to Joseph. He will deliver his people from their sins. Yet the people were here. The deliverer was among them. And they grumbled, who is this guy? Even his own siblings whom Joseph and Mary, I'm sure, had taught, this is the Messiah, this is He, this is Jesus. But they didn't believe. They were grumbling. He is a good man, some were saying. Others were saying, no, on the contrary, He leads the multitude astray. Yet no one was speaking openly of Him for fear of the Jews. But when it was now the midst of the feast. Notice, it's the middle of the feast. Jesus is a timely person on purpose. And just when you think you're in the middle of what your relationship is with God, whatever you're celebrating, you can expect Jesus to show up right in the middle of it. Verse 14, but when it was now the midst of the feast, Jesus went up into the temple and began to teach. The Jews, therefore, were marveling, saying, how has this man become learned, having never been educated? I want you to notice something. Much of what Jesus will teach you will come outside of your education. Don't think you can learn Christ through education. You cannot. Not this Jesus. He is not bound or comprehended in education. Does education help? Absolutely. Paul said his whole life to the Philippians. In Philippians 3 he said, I gave everything that I may know Him. He wants to learn Christ. But Jesus, when he speaks his words of life that demand obedience or disobedience, that give you and I a choice, in most cases you will say, that makes no sense. You won't have learned it from a man. The word of Christ. It comes to you outside of your education. Don't be surprised. This is our Jesus. This is still how he speaks And this is still how men think of him When he speaks Even you and me Having never been educated Jesus therefore said Answered them and said My teaching is not mine But his who sent me If any man is willing To do his will That's the big if That's the big if in your life That's the big if in my life. Are you willing today to do His will? No matter what it costs you. No matter where it leads you. No matter if it makes you a fool to the whole world. Are you willing to do His will for you today? If any man is willing to do His will, he shall know of the teaching. And if you're not willing to do His will, and you've got your own agenda in your life, and you've got a lot of things planned of how you think your life is going to look and what it's going to be and and what you're going to do with your life, this is going to seem very confusing when Jesus speaks into your life. But if any man is willing to do His will... He shall know of the teaching, whether it is of God or whether I speak from myself. I want you to notice the difference. Here's the difference. He who speaks from himself is seeking his own glory. If I'm here this morning and I want you to think well of me as I'm sharing with you and I'm seeking my own glory somehow in my experience with God, the teaching will be from me. And it won't be true. Look what it says. He is seeking his own glory. But he who is seeking the glory of the one who sent him, you and I are sent ones. If we have been redeemed into God's family, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 says, we are ambassadors in Christ's stead. To reconcile the world back to God. Now it's our turn. And this is our commission. And so we must seek his glory. But he who is seeking the glory of the one who sent him. He is true. And there is no unrighteousness in him. Dear brother, sister. If you're here seeking your own glory. And you're not willing to put that glory away. And lay it at the feet of Jesus. And come to only do his will to walk in that difference in your life. Then you won't many of the words and the relationship that Jesus wants to lead you into won't make sense to you. And you probably won't go. You probably won't go because all of us have this choice. To seek our own glory even in ministry to each other in my love to my wife and my boys, in my love to you as the saints, in my relationship at work, I may do something well because I want that person to think I'm a Christian or I want him to send me a good review on Google. What? Why are you doing? Whose glory are you seeking in your life? You can do well and serve God, but for your own glory. And you won't experience His will for you because you won't know the difference of the teaching. All of this teaching you'll take in for your own glory. And that makes for a very self-centered Christian. And that's pretty natural for all of us. I see it in my own life. I've seen it in my ministry I've seen it in my workplace. I've seen it in my home. And unless I'm willing to identify that in my heart and hear when Jesus addresses it, says, Phil, you're doing this for your own glory. You need to repent from that and come only to do my will and seek my glory. Then, then you will experience that teaching in a pure like rivers of living water flowing from the Lord into my heart and out from me. And that is eternal life. Outside of that, it's your own glory. Jesus continues to talk about this. Did not Moses give you the law, and yet none of you carries out the law? Why do you seek to kill me? The multitude answered, You have a demon! Who seeks to kill you? Anyone ever say that to you? About something Jesus is teaching you and leading you into? And you do it, and you begin to speak of it, and someone looks at you and says, you're crazy. In fact, that's the devil talking to you. They will. If you're willing to live this life, Jesus' life in you produces the same it did in him. I remember very well as a young married man. I was in a business partnership back east, making a lot of money. I was at the top of my world, I thought, and yet there was so much more to be had. We had a multi-million dollar business going for us. And we were ready to go into a whole new business adventure, my business partner and I. I was only 24 years old, married only about a year. I had my whole life set for me. I was set to invest a whole lot more into this business. We had everything arranged with the bank. Our lawyers was supposed to happen in December, the last day of that year, January 1st. And all of a sudden, the Lord began to put something in my heart a longing to know Jesus more. And this wasn't satisfying. Well, it was all good. I was a Christian, had a wonderful church life, had a wonderful, lovely new bride. Everything, it seemed to me, was charted, at least for the next 10 years. This was going to be my life, and I had great dreams. And then the Lord spoke to me one day. Out of the unsettledness in my heart, I began to fast and pray. Just quietly before the Lord. And one afternoon, I knelt down up there in the little room upstairs in our house, and I cried out to God for a couple hours. Just cried and cried and cried. I didn't know what to do. I said, God, what do you want from me? And the Lord said, move to Colorado. What? What? got to be kidding me that's literally how i went to the lord what is out there i only knew a few people that i had met at a conference i knew there was a little church out there somewhere and the lord said sell everything don't go through this and sell what you have move to colorado and i knew it was the voice of jesus i knew it wasn't my teaching it wasn't mine but it was his was sent to me I knew it in my heart all oh, I began to wrestle Lord this is crazy but after a few days I yielded I said Lord I'll do it it'll change my life but I'll do it but you need to confirm it in my wife's heart and give her grace for this She's gonna got to leave her family I'm gonna have to leave all my family and all of our friends and move, what, 2,000 miles away to a place we don't even know, have never been to, to a people we don't know? And I shared it with her. And her heart said, Yes, we should go. Wow, okay, Lord. That was grace. And then I began to share it with my business partner. And he looked at me and said, You're crazy. Do you know what you're doing to me? You're upsetting my whole life. But I'm in this venture together with you. You can't, if you back out, I can't do this on my own. This is all being arranged with us together. I said, I'm sorry. I'm really, really sorry. I have to obey the Lord. And he said, all right. I think, I don't think it's the Lord. You're ruining my life was a brother in the church and as I began to journey through those next couple weeks I was in my office one day and a dear older brother in the church whom I respected a lot came into my office and he looked pretty haggard and he said to me Phil I haven't been sleeping well in fact last night I didn't sleep at all I've been wrestling with God for you and what you're doing is of the devil i know it is god told me it is it's not of jesus you're hearing wrong you're deceived you're letting all of us down many of us work here we need this business in the church and if you don't buy it and go through with this it's going to be sold in the marketplace and some ungodly man's going to buy it and we all of our jobs are in the air this is of the devil I remember sitting there and shaking inside. But sharing with him, I don't believe so. I'm sorry you feel that way. But I went back to the Lord, cried out to God, Oh, my Father, I need to hear your word, your loving confirmation. And the Lord will give me a peace that he tells us in Philippians chapter 4 that surpasses all. All understanding. You don't understand it, but it's raining in your heart. And I went through with it. And some years later, we moved, and the Lord worked things out. There were a lot of changes that happened to a lot of people's lives, mostly in mine. And as I moved out here, as we moved out here, the Lord began to call us to ministry and and to share His Word and Three, uh, no, it was probably five years later. I think it was in 2003 or so. I was asked to go back to my home place for a whole week to share the word of God in a tent meeting crusade. And as I went, I was trembling because these were my old friends I grew up with. These were the people I had let down. How was I going to stand up and share the word of God to them? But I did, and I remember getting up and just crying out to God, Lord, you've got to put a word in my heart, and I just opened up the Bible that week all week long and just preached out of from my heart in faith. And those brothers, many of them, came to me that week and said, "Phil, now we know God called you. In fact, something astonishing happened. The banker who was going to loan us the money, who we also let down. And he didn't go through with that loan, and so it cost him too. Came one night. I'll never forget as he sat there, and as I was sharing the word, I seen him, and I was shaking inside, thinking, oh Lord, you know how I left this guy down. How I must have disappointed him. He was a believer, and I knew he was a believer. And afterward, the Lord moved among us and we drew near to God and there was revival in our hearts that that night and, and he comes up to me and he grabs a hold of me and he's weeping and weeping and I'm thinking, I don't know what this guy is going to say to me, but boy, well, he's really emotional about it. And he says, Phil, now I know God had called you back then. I wrestled with this for a long time. But I know as I sat here and listened to the word of God and you sharing it, that flowing through you, it ministered life to me. And God said to me, this is why I called him. It was for one of this reason, for this purpose. Away from the business to sharing my word of life with people. We wept together and we prayed together. It's just one experience, a little testimony of how God is working it out in my life. I'm sure you have yours too. But this I want to strengthen in faith for you, dear brother, sister, dear child of God. This is what Jesus wants to live out in our lives. This is what he was living out in his life. He says... In verse 24, do not judge according to appearance, but judge with righteous judgment. Verse 25, therefore some of the people of Jerusalem were saying, is this not the man whom they are seeking to kill? And look, he is speaking publicly, and they are saying nothing to him. The rulers do not really know that this is the Christ, do they? However, we know where this man is from, but whenever the Christ may come, No one knows where he is from. Jesus, therefore, cried out in the temple, teaching and saying, You both know me, and you know where I am from. I have not come of myself, but he who sent me is true, whom you do not know. I know him, because I am from him, and he sent me. They were seeking, therefore, to seize him. And no man laid his hand on him, because his hour had not yet come. But many of the multitude believed in him, and they were saying, When Christ, when the Christ shall come, well, he will he not perform more signs than those which this man has, will he? The Pharisees heard the multitude muttering these things about him, and the chief priests and the Pharisees sent officers to seize him. Jesus therefore said, For a little while longer I am with you. Then I go to him who sent me. You shall seek me and shall not find me. And where I am, you cannot come. The Jews therefore said to one another, Where does this man intend to go? That we should not find him. He's not intending to go to the dispersion among the Greeks and teach the Greeks, is he? What is this statement that he said? You will seek me and will not find me. And where I am, you cannot come. Now on the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying. And this was the day when they celebrated the outpouring of the water. And one of the priests would get a big jug of water and he would pour it in the middle of the temple, pour it out into a pan. And this was to signify and to cry out to God, bless us with the rains, bless us with provision. On that day, This is very significant. On that day, can you imagine the crowd gathered around? And Jesus is there. And everyone's watching the priest. And it's probably all quiet in the temple. And everyone in their heart is praying, Yes, Lord, bless me. Bless my crops. Bless my gardens. Bless us, Lord, with financial wealth and a good harvest. It's all quiet. After the priest had poured the water, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If any man is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture said, from his innermost being shall flow rivers of living waters. That guy is crazy. Can you imagine the atmosphere at that moment in the temple? Yes, you can. Because this is exactly what Jesus does to you and me. In the middle of our supplication, crying out to God for a harvest, you and I will hear these words spoken into our hearts. If you believe in me, you're thirsty, you want something from me, come to me, come to me and drink. And if you believe in me, as the scripture said, from your innermost being will flow eternal life. The life of the Holy Spirit will flow from your words, will flow from your love, will flow from your service, will flow from your innermost being. It will flow rivers, not a trickle, rivers of living water. But this he spoke of the Spirit, whom those who believed in Him were to receive, for the Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. Have you received the Holy Spirit like this? In your deepest need, in your heart's cry to God or your provision, Jesus is speaking these words into your heart. Will you believe him? Or will you grumble at them? Really, Lord? Seriously? You can't be serious. Will you be shaken in your faith when other people tell you, you have a demon? You're crazy. This is not the voice of God. You're hurting me through this. Will you be ashamed If the Lord makes a fool out of you, tells you not to go, and then the day next day tells you to go, and everyone looks at you and says, what, you tried to fool us? Or will you hear the voice of the Holy Spirit and believe and follow and allow Jesus' life to be experienced in you like he did with his father. If you will, if any man will, is willing to do his will, any person, this will be the result. Rivers of living water will flow from our innermost being. And it may take years for people to experience that rivers of living water flowing out of you. But they will experience it. They will. As you walk
1: and believe in faith and experience Jesus this way. God bless you.